dear pari endless paperwork and government offices are something that everyone tries to avoid but of course we couldn't do any of this when we decided to adopt once we made the decision it meant up reading up a lot on the law and the guidelines to understand what your rights would be and what we could do to be selected as your parents Welcome to Dear Pari, a groundbreaking podcast series presenting facts, busting myths and tackling stigma around adoption. It will bring to you varied viewpoints from adoptees, parents, adoption experts and government officials. This podcast is being brought to you by Suno India, a podcast platform for issues that matter. in adoption we don't get to choose our child the system chooses for us and of course as with all things linked to government we were very anxious and spent many hours poring over every single line in the guidelines going over and over the paperwork to make sure we had it all the pyramid of steps in kara's caring's portal became my favorite thing to look at and wonder when you would legally become ours because for at least 6 months we were on paper just foster parents finally we were asked to be present at the district court for the last step of becoming your legal parents so along with you and your grandfather we set off to the district court you were in a sky blue frock and we were all dressed very formally unlike the nervous us you were most fascinated with the dogs running around in the corridors of the court the court was a very old building with squeaky chairs This was the first time I was in a court. I was not sure if I had to stand in the dock and take oath or if it was going to be a casual conversation with the judge. We were nervously waiting for the judge to call us in. It seemed like a long wait. We had gone in the morning and our turn came only after lunch. Funny story. I had lost my voice that day due to throat infection. one day i wanted to speak the most with a judge and i couldn't well not without sounding like a frog later in an in camera hearing held in a room beside the main courtroom the judge asked us why we wanted to adopt why a daughter how and if we plan to tell you about your adoption after every answer he gave a long hard stare at one point during the hearing you got cranky and started crying and we both had to step out of the room your dad tells me the judge gave one long final hard stare signed the papers the papers that declared you a legal daughter the last time we were so happy to get a legal document was when we got married this episode will bring to you an interview with colonel deepak kumar which we conducted in mid august This episode will strive to explain to you the different laws available for adoption in India, the loopholes in them, and challenges in finding families for children with special needs or older children, among many other things. I am Colonel Deepak Kumar, and uh, presently I am tenanting this appointment of secretary and 
CEO, Central Adoption Resource Authority, which is a statutory body under Ministry of Women and Child Development. And uh, I am on this appointment for last over two years now. We asked Colonel Deepak Kumar what it means for a child who has been trafficked and put up for an illegal adoption. If you look at the uh, laws and the regulations governing adoption in India, as of now, there are only two laws which regulate or under which adoptions can take place. The first one being Juvenile Justice Care and Protection Act 2015, which we administer. And we have got a subordinate legislation under it, which is known as Adoption Regulations 2017. Now, apart from this common law, there is only one other personal law for Hindus, which is known as Hindu Adoption Maintenance Act of 1956, under which an adoption can be taken legally. Otherwise, apart from this, all other uh, ways or means of taking a child for the purpose of adoption is totally illegal. If you look at the child's perspective, the best interest of the child cannot be ensured if somebody is not adopting a child legally. Because you have to ensure that the child gets all the rights and benefits which any other biological child gets and that can only happen if you've done it legally. So that means inheritance of property and all, all those gets affected. Justice, Care and Protection of Children Act 2015 had been passed by Parliament of India amidst intense controversy and protest on many of its provisions by child rights activists. This act came into force on 15 January 2016. To streamline adoption procedures for orphans, abandoned and surrendered children, the existing Central Adoption Resource Authority, CARA, was given the status of a statutory body to enable it to perform its functions more effectively. A separate chapter on adoption provides detailed provisions relating to adoption and punishments for non-compliance. Processes have been streamlined with timelines for both in-country and inter-country adoption, including declaring a child legally free for adoption. As of 2018, Ministry of Women and Child Development of Government of India is also working towards bringing in an amendment, primarily to remove quotes from adoption process and to hand it over to executive magistrates or district magistrates. There is a lot of controversy around this move. We talked to Colonel Deepak Kumar about JJ Act and also how it differs from another existing law called the Hindu Adoption and Maintenance Act. The first act which was made was Hindu Adoption Maintenance Act of 1956. Now this act was primarily firstly for Hindus and it had a lot of other things apart from adoption. There are a lot of other uh, instances where you will find in Hinduism a child has been adopted. Now the main reason at that point in time was the family wanted somebody to inherit or somebody who can you know, light their pyre in when, when, they, when they die. So there are, these were the traditions because of which they wanted some lineage or somebody for them uh, to be there. And uh, if, if, if a family or a couple did not have, have a varis, in, in that sense, then they they adopted a child. So it was a parent-centric. Whereas if you look at Juvenile Justice Care and Protection Act, it has primarily got two basic uh, pillars of this act to deal with the juveniles, Okay, which is children below the age of 18. Uh, whereas I'll just include here in HAMA, adoption is only till 15 years of age for a child here. It is for all juvenile up till 18. There is no such preconditions. And basically, we handle with for uh, the cases of all children who are in need of care and protection. That is one aspect. And the second pillar is those children who are in conflict with law. 
Okay, so there are certain things defined for those who are in conflict with law and we keep them in place of safety. The other thing is the rehabilitation and looking after all of the children who are in need. So there are various methods and ways which is defined in the Act, uh, like sponsorship, foster care, adoption, institutional care. So looking at the institutional and non-institutional care, uh, we as a government of India, we believe that non-institutional care is always the best. So the child should be placed with the family as soon as possible so that to ensure uh, their childhood. Because every child has got a right to a childhood. And uh, adoption is the best way because all rights and duties and responsibilities, everything gets permanently and legally established for a parent and child. So this act is basically a child-centric act where we look at the best interest of the child, whereas Hama was a parent-centric. Another important thing uh, I would like to add here itself is um, that nobody is regulating Hama. Okay, so since there is no regulation, nobody is actually ensuring whether the provisions of the HAMA has been met while adopting or not. JJ Act is very safe, secure. It is through a court order, the adoption order is given and hence all rights are protected for a child and the family is also safe. We have now also enabled a relative adoption uh, under this Act. Apart from Hindus, even the Christians, Muslims and all, they can, uh, they are able to adopt uh, their relatives' children. And uh, one more important thing which we added in the regulation was adoption of stepchildren, which for which there was earlier no law whatsoever. JJ Act is a common law which evolved over a period of time, which means under this law, people of any religion can legally adopt unlike earlier. It is also considered to be a fairly child-centric act. This act also places greater emphasis on adoption of children and lesser on institutional care. What this means for those children who are not necessarily orphans or surrendered or legally free for adoption is that they often languish in poorly maintained and monitored childcare institutions across the country. The recent instances of rampant child sexual abuse in these institutions across Bihar, Jharkhand and other states are pushing the central government to exert more pressure on state governments to put in place better monitoring mechanisms. Therefore, it has become a scenario of adoption versus institutional care when it is the country's duty to provide safe space for every child who has none. As of September 30th, the data collected by Families of Joy Foundation, a non-profit in the adoption space, there are over 27,000 parents waiting to adopt around 2,000 children. We asked Colonel Deepak about this disparity. There are primarily three important aspects which we have to look into and ensure for the not only for the best interest of the child but also uh, for the family, for the adoption to be foolproof and legal. The first thing is the sourcing of the child. Okay, So by sourcing of the child, we mean that we have to ensure that the child is not trafficked. You know, uh, there is no transaction of money because transaction of money in adoption is illegal uh, even in HAMA uh, in, and, the, and as well as JJ Act. So it's, it's a very difficult proposition to control such things unless until we have got stringent you know, rules and regulations. So... The main responsibility of finding out the so about the sourcing of the child and then declaring the child legally for free for adoption is vested with a uh, child welfare committee, which is there in each district. 
So the district child care protection unit and there's an officer there. He's supposed to uh, make an advertisement, file an FIR and do all sorts of you know, social investigation and other things before they bring the case to the child welfare committee who declares the child legally free for adoption. So only those children can be placed in adoption who are declared legally free. As, as I said here today, uh, I would be having generally approximately 2,000 uh, children who would be legally free for adoption across various orphanages and child care institutions in India. And uh, out of which half of them are special need who are uh, seldom gets placed in India. Some of them do get placed in inter-country adoption abroad. But uh, very few Indians would uh, choose to adopt special need children. Colonel Deepak told us that of the 3,200 domestic adoptions that happened last year, there were only 47 children with special needs who were adopted. Whereas, of the 651 inter-country adoptions that took place, almost 50% of the children adopted were those with special needs. And if you look at the balance half, 1,000, um, again, 6 to 650 odd would be older children. Older children means those who are above 6 years of age. Again, these are the ones who are very difficult to get placed in India and generally we place them again in inter-country adoption. So in a month, we are able to place between 3 to 350 uh, children in adoption, whereas uh, the number of parents who register in a month on an average crosses 1,000. Colonel Deepak further explained to us how HAMA, while legal, is also being used by many to traffic children. And the lack of regulation of adoption under HAMA means there are potentially tens of thousands of children being adopted under this act. Since there is no database of adoptions happening under HAMA, anti-trafficking experts say it is tough to estimate the number of children being trafficked under this law. So why does the government not remove this loophole, we asked Colonel Deepak. HAMA is a, had a different uh, concept altogether, but then the most important or the difficult part is that there's nobody who's regulating it. Now, the state governments must have some mechanisms to at least monitor and regulate. And this act was made simpler primarily because the aim was different. Here, the giver was actually supposed to be the biological parent. The act believed that the second most important thing apart from the sourcing is checking the eligibility and suitability of the prospective adoptive parent. So the government, when the HAMA was being enacted, was of the view that who would be a better judge than the biological parents uh, to ensure that the adoptive parent is suitable and eligible. Uh, there is a provision of going to the court and taking a permission for adopting a child under HAMA if the giver is not there, say an orphan child. So court in HAMA only gives permission. Finally, you undertake an adoption through a deed and deed can even be unregistered. So nowhere it is written that it should be registered. So pe people just are utilizing this provision and even from the nursing homes and other places where there may be unwed mother or uh, where somebody who is a poor family who is not wanting to you know, look after the child. So there are, because of this gap in the demand and supply, though I should not be using this term because these are children, not commodities, but if we can uh, understand this through the general economics, then we find whenever there's a gap, there'll be a lot of middlemen floating around the market. And now with social networking and so and such things are there, they will offer that they will be able to place the family with valid deed, birth certificate and all other things. And that is how 
this whole trafficking network is flourishing uh, in various states when we asked what can be done to stop child trafficking he said the onus is on every state government along with other enforcement agencies such as police a sincere effort to stop the traffickers is the only way forward he said adding that an unregulated act such as hama wasn't making matters any easier fine there's nothing wrong in the provisions of the hama what is wrong is that people are misutilizing it its implementation is improper there's nobody to regulate and monitor or check it so that is where uh, everything about hama is wrong so government has to take a considered decision whether if something a path is you know broken whether to repair it or just to you know close that path so there are always a two solutions to a problem which higher authorities have to think about it like kallal dipak kumar said the misutilization of hama has meant that only a small number of children are being adopted under the jj act however the other reasons for the lengthy wait time is also the reluctance of parents to adopt those children with special needs and children older than 6 years are almost impossible to find a home domestically we asked him what kara is doing to tackle the challenge of placing special needs and older children for adoption in country so very recently uh, this one ngo families of joy they has also you know, suggested certain lists measures to be undertaken based on which uh, we formed a committee which was chaired by professor from all india institute of medical sciences and uh, we are um, uh, somehow rehashing the assessment of the special need child and their sub categorization we are sub categorizing into 15 different sub categories okay and within that we would be you know defining what all conditions come here and with small uh, details of the requirement as well so that when parents look into the profile of the children with special need we'll accordingly we'll have to in, uh, make changes in the medical examination report of the child as well and instruct the adoption agencies to fill in certain more details so that this uh, they they can be placed under proper sub categories so once that is done and once once people find or look at the profile on, on carings uh, i think they would be better informed to take a decision on whether they will be able to handle uh, such kind of special need or not now with regards to older children the indians have got a very uh, stringent mindset wherein they think that if a child has got a ma- memory of the past it is difficult for the child and the family to get integrated and there are a lot of issues so this is a preconceived notion or whatever we find with the indian parents which is very very dif- we are finding it difficult to dispel unless until we are able to provision for the counseling so counseling plays a very important part in adoption both for the parents before adoption post adoption and also for the older children we find lot of disturbing number of disruptions in the older children adoption uh, because neither the parents are counseled nor the children are have been prepared in the orphanages so uh, there is a critical you know, lack of counseling and uh, we will be providing full support whatever we can another confusing aspect for parents waiting to adopt is a seniority system this was briefly discussed in episode 1 We asked Colonel Deepak to provide more clarity on this and he said that CARA is planning to change the way this information is being provided. Waiting period uh, as of now uh, for normal children less than 2 year old is somewhere around 1 year 9 months and uh, for 2 uh, to 4 year old 
uh, it is somewhere around one year six months and uh, for four to six it is somewhere around uh, one year three months and beyond six uh, it is just about three months okay so the chances of a child being adopted domestically drastically reduces once the child crosses six years of age so that's what the current scenario is now we talked about these numbers and figures it's confusing to me as well and uh, i i have many a times i've told my you know nic and the caring team to just remove this all together and just leave the the date of seniority and the date of seniority covered for that particular choice so like you registered in in november 2016 and if i tell you for your choice i have covered till september 2016 you will get a much fairer idea and then you can see the movement of the cut off date till when this particular these uh, your similar choice has been covered rather than looking at the number so say you have registered on on 16th november 2016 with anywhere in india and i have registered in july 16 with three particular states okay i have got an option of changing my state moment i change my state to anywhere in india i come in front of you you in the queue in all other states since i have registered before you so if 10 people do this you will find that you have gone back by 10 in the number so that is how it is not only dependent on your choice or the day when you have registered but it gets affected by the changes in the choice made by all other people who have registered prior to you similarly when you make a change everybody who has registered after you may get affected so that's why this number keeps moving maybe sometime back or sometime forward but yes your date of seniority doesn't get changed it is fixed on the day when you have registered i would urge the society to consider these uh, uh, the best interests of these voiceless children so if we as a society don't look after them we let them trafficked we let them being sold from nursing homes and other places then we are uh, not doing justice to them it's a crime please look at section 32 to 34 it's every citizen's duty to mandatorily report even if you find that your neighbor who is a childless couple has brought a child from somewhere you must inquire from where what is the sourcing of the child if you got a doubt please report because this is by and large happening um, in in thousands and unless until we as a society try and contain it uh, the children will get trafficked The revised Juvenile Justice Act focuses on adoption as a sum-all and end-all of child care. It has streamlined the process of adoption and steps have been taken to ensure that the child adopted under this act has equal rights as a biological child. What it has also done is to highlight the gaps in HAMA. However, the act isn't perfect. Detractors contest that the JJ Act focuses a lot on adoption and not on providing institutional care to any child who may need care. What they say is that the act by focusing on adoption doesn't necessarily help those children who don't fall into any of the three categories of abandoned, surrendered or orphaned children. In fact, there continues to be a greater push to put up more children for adoption to feed the growing demand for children thereby leading to their commodification. With this interview we brought to you the legal and government perspective. But there's more to this and we will deal with this in our upcoming episodes. where we will continue to throw light on the complex world of adoption in india we all love shortcuts but we urge each one of you to follow the law 
the process may seem complex and the wait time lengthy in the best interests of the child please don't go looking for the easy way out and play your part in child trafficking if we as responsible citizens and parents don't do our bit then who will this brings us to another question a birth certificate will tell her only one part of the story and the other half before she became our dear pari is a story we don't know much about so we ask is a child's identity shaped by her present and future or also by her past how do we acknowledge her biological parents about whom we know nothing about we will discuss more about this in our next episode which deals with this specific topic of identity as independent producers we rely a lot on you to spread the word if you like our podcast please take time and let your friends and family know about it also don't forget to check out some interesting articles written by our contributors at blog.sunoindia.in we would like to thank nikhil rao of indian ocean for original music priyanka kumar for artwork tarun nirvan our digital lead and kunika balhotra our communication officer for their support